you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 139. Psalms 139, I've got three messages and now it's grown into four messages on life. And why are you here? Tried out one of them last night at YDC and two young men got saved. One of them was uh, very uh, distraught because he'd learned the night before that his mother had stage three cancer and he didn't feel like living either. But after the message, he got a reason to live, amen, and got saved by the grace of God. Lives over in Chatsworth, you pray for him. He said when he gets out, he's coming to visit. So thank God, as we discussed in the security meeting, we look for people to come, amen. We don't try to run them off before they get here. We look for them to come, <clears throat> and we want them to come, everyone, amen. Psalms 139, uh, this is a, not a politically correct message at all. Because I'm going to be preaching on when life begins, the sanctity of life. And then next week we'll be preaching on the sanctification of life. And then on the third Wednesday night, <clears throat> because then the next Wednesday night I'll be in South Africa preaching, uh, I'm going to be preaching on the satisfaction in life. And so it's three S's and no curve. And I hope that you'll uh, come back every Wednesday night and hear these messages on life. But this Sunday is uh, an anniversary, a dark anniversary, of the Roe versus Wade that passed in the Supreme Court. Uh, there's two things about that case a lot of people don't know, and that is, number one, the baby that the lady did not want to have was born because litigation took so long that that baby's alive today, even though they passed that the mother could abort him. He's alive. Number two is they found out that it was a lie because she said she'd been raped and that's the reason she wanted the abortion and she hadn't been. And so the whole thing was based on a lie and also there was a life that was spared because the justice system is so slow. But I wonder where you were in 1973. I wonder where I was. I wonder where we were when we had the Ten Commandments got kicked out of school in 1980. Prayer got kicked out in 19. Uh, 73 or sometime back then 69 and um, you know it's just a shame that we didn't stand up for life and I'm going to prove to you from the Bible that life begins at conception Jeremiah was ordained to preach in the womb John the Baptist leaped in the presence of Jesus in another womb Elizabeth and Mary were talking and um, he leaped in the womb uh, protoplasm doesn't leap and doesn't react to good news, amen? And um, uh, on and on I could tell you illustration after illustration in the Bible where life begins, but one of the greatest passages on where life begins and how precious life is. You know, as I was visiting the funeral home right before the service, and it was very appropriate that I was at the funeral home right before I preached this message, I thought to myself, this lady was only four years older than me. And she had a massive heart attack and went into eternity. I, I immediately began to feel older and thought, you know something, I ain't got much time. But you don't know how much time you got, but you ought to live each day as if it's your last. And you ought to sanctify your life. Last night I preached on the philosophy of life. You know what that is? How you think about life. And I want to tell you this, if you think you're um, some... Uh, apes son or daughter you're going to act like an animal amen but if you think you're a child of the king and and the, a creator created you special for his glory 
it's going to affect your whole thinking. That's why the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so we got a lot of brainwashing going on in the public schools today and, and um, uh, in society that teach us that uh, we're just some evolved animal. That we're, you know, that just nothing, nobody made us. We just evolved on our own. That's kind of prideful, I think, that we could make ourselves. Uh, how many have ever heard of a Sir Isaac Newton? Anybody ever heard of him? You college students better raise your hand. Starting a Bible study tomorrow night, amen? And looking forward to hearing great things from that Bible study. But Sir Isaac Newton had a replica of our solar system. Uh, he, uh, he made it in miniature. In the center was a sun and, and all the tentacles were the planets. And, and he had it where it revolved around. And a science, scientist entered Newton's study one day and exclaimed, My, what an exquisite thing this is. Who made it? And in the wisdom of Sir Isaac Newton, one of the smartest men that ever lived, he said, nobody. Who made that model, he was asking. He said, nobody, replied Newton to the questioner who was an unbeliever. And uh, the unbeliever, the scientist, got a little offended. He said, you must think I'm, I'm a fool. And of course, somebody made it, made it, and he was a genius. And laying his book aside, Newton uh, rose and laid a hand on his friend's shoulder and said, the thing is but a puny imitation of a much grander system whose laws you and I know, and I'm not, a and I'm not able to convince you that, that this mere toy is without a designer and a maker, yet you profess to believe that the great original form which the design is taken has come into being without either a designer or a maker. Now tell me, by what sort of reasoning do you reach such an incongruous conclusion? I think that's pretty good logic. If somebody made the model, now I think somebody made the original, amen? And folks, you just didn't evolve from some uh, atomic blast in the air. Uh, some protoplasm exploded in the great blast. Uh, and folks, if you really believe that, then you're in bad shape and you need to get your philosophy of life right the philosophy of life is that God created you that God sustained you and that God saved you and he's got a threefold right to your life amen you ought to serve him with gladness because if it wasn't for him you wouldn't be here amen never get one time brother Helsinki got up right before brother Clay McNeese did on a New Year's Eve service at 11.35, you remember it, Brother Randy, it was embarrassing. And this guy got up, and, he, he, and I said, now just take about five minutes, because Brother Clay's got to close this thing out, and we're going to pray the year, year out and year in, and not watch a peach fall from the sky with a bunch of drunks falling under it. We're here at church, and we're going to pray it out and pray it in. And that guy started out his testimony, and I knew he was in trouble, when he said, at a very early age, I was born. And he went on for 45 minutes. The next year, he's still testifying. And finally, he turns it over to Brother Clay McNeese. And Brother Clay McNeese got up and said, Hey, buddy, you took all my time. Y'all come down to the altar. We're praying. <laughs> Amen. That was embarrassing. But in a very early age, you were born. Amen. And I want to tell you something, friend. You were born because God let you be born. Amen. And I don't know where in the world we get this philosophy because of the God of convenience that we can kill babies. No wonder we're under judgment. 
No wonder God's not pleased with America anymore. There's more babies been aborted than all the wars put together. Many, many times more. Millions of babies have been killed in the womb because of the God of career, the God of convention, the God of convenience, excuse me. And I want to preach on that tonight, and I believe it's high time that we all listen to the Bible and not a bunch of scientists. By the way, uh, Darwin got saved, uh, and he said he was a fool when he gave that theory and that he was just a young man throwing out theories. He didn't know it would catch on like fire. And he said, if I had to speak on anything in the world today, I'd, I'd speak on Christ Jesus. Amen? So thank God he got saved. All right, let's stand on the Word of God, Psalms 139. This is such a powerful chapter. I want you to read it expository, I mean, uh, responsively. I, we are going to preach it verse by verse, expository. And um, if we didn't use the same version, we'd be in trouble right now, wouldn't we? <laughs> Amen. There wouldn't be no telling who would be on what page. But uh, we got the same Bible. Amen. You don't have the same Bible, find you a King James Bible somewhere. I'll read the first, you read the second. We'll go on down through the whole chapter. O Lord, thou hast, thou hast searched me and know me. Thou knowest my downsetting. I don't know who in the world is trying to call me on my iPad while we're reading the scripture. You need to be in church. It says, thou, thou compassest my path and my lying down. Thou art acquainted with all my ways. This is precious. Verse 4, class. For there is not a word. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be, be light upon me. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest part of the earth. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me. O oh God, how great is the sum of them. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O oh God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. 
not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? Am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for that promise that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And marvelous are thy works. And Lord, our soul should know right well. Lord, thank you for this chapter. Help us, Lord, to rightly divide it and study it. Help us, God, to get something out of it. Lord, help it to change our life's philosophy. Help us, dear God, to change our life's priorities. God, help us to realize our life's purpose. All in this chapter, God, help us to realize there's only one life. So soon it will pass. And only what's done for your glory and pleases you will even count. So, Lord, thank you for this chapter. Help us as we study it. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I want you to see in verses 1 through about 8 that uh, every movement, every motive, every murmuring is known of God. I started out with the, uh, on the screen that the, the verse 14, and it answers, why do you exist? And folks, you are existing if you're not saved. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I was preaching in a prison last night. It's a glorified youth jail they call the YDC. But folks, it's still jail to me because you can't go and come as you want to. And I, thought, I told him, I said, listen, you're just marking time if you're not saved. Everybody in there is marking time. They have a calendar in their mind or maybe on the wall, I don't know, in their cell. And they're marking time. And they're just existing. And they're existing beneath their God-given privilege. Thank God two people passed from death unto life last night, and you pray for them, that they truly meant it, and I, that's between them and God. But I want you to notice, first of all, on the first slide, I think our back screen's out, so I'm going to have to turn around a lot, the definition of failure. The definition of failure is found in the next slide, it's a seating at the wrong thing. Now, I want to tell you, what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul? But what does it profit a man if he lives his whole life thinking that he is his own God, that's humanistic philosophy, that we, he only answers to himself and that he only has to give account to himself and then life is all over. Well, folks, I believe life's more than that. I believe we ought to know God's purpose for your life. Look at verse 2. It says, Thou knowest my downsettings, my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. First of all, you need to realize that every movement and every motive and every time of murmuring is known of God. And this is an awesome thought that God knows. That's the fear of God. But also it's an awesome comfort. God knows where you're at. God knows exactly what you're going through. And there's not a day or a minute or second that you will not, that you'll be alone. Look at verse uh, 4. It says, For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Mm. that's a great guard for Facebook, that's a great guard for texting, that's a great guard for gossip. Uh, I believe with all my heart that a lot of people don't realize God's listening. The fear of God is knowing that He knows, and He's also He knows your motive, He knows your thoughts, but He knows every word spoken. The Bible says we'll give account in, uh, I believe it's Matthew chapter 11, of every idle word. 
Matter of fact, the way we talk can be the fruit of our heart. Because look at uh, Matthew chapter 11 and verse uh, 33. You want to know if you're saved or not? Here's how you know you're saved. It says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree corrupt and its, and its fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. That's verse 33, Matthew 11. It says, O generation of vipers. He's talking to the, uh, uh, the uh, dis disciples. He's talking to the uh, Pharisees, the scribes and Pharisees. How can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Look at verse 35. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of his evil treasures bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that a man shall speak, they shall give account thereof on the day of judgment. That's an awesome thought, is that everything we say we're going to have to give account to. We ought to fear God, knowing that he knows every murmur. But the Bible says in, back in Psalms 139, we're going to get to the crux of the matter, uh, it says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. In other words, you can't trace God, you must trust Him. Look at verse 7. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend to the heavens, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. So knowing God's purpose for your life, uh, you will have fulfillment, you'll experience His guidance, and you can have the proper priorities. Thank God for that. If you see yourself as a creation of God, then you're going to want to be like your creator. Go on down a couple to uh, slide five. Uh, you're going to know that you are born to be like Christ. You're not born to be happy. You're born to be holy. You're born to be like Christ. Your goal in life should be like your creator. Now, once you're saved, you become in union with your creator, but then you need to grow. And look at, look at uh, um, the next one, Psalms 39. In verse 1 it says he knows your character. He knows what's inside your heart. Then number 2, he knows your conduct, verse 2 and 3. Uh, he knows how you act, how you react. 85% of all actions are reactions. Then he knows your contemplations. Um, folks, he knows what you dream about. He knows what's your goals in life. A lot of people, all they do is dream about themselves. They think this party is about them. They're vain. Uh, they're vain in their imaginations. And the Bible says we ought to cast every vain imagination down. And we ought to ca capture all those wild imaginations like Satan had. That he'll lift himself up and be exalted. And that's what got him kicked out of heaven. And, and now he's in hell and trying to fill it up. So you're, you're, uh, he knows about your character. He knows about your conduct. He knows about your contemplations. And he knows about your conversations. Look at verse 4. It says, There is not a word and tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. And so God knows. And that ought to bring you to a life of fearing God, respecting God, reverencing God. That's why it's such a damnable heresy and philosophy and theory to think that you came from an animal or that you came from yourself and that you have to maintain yourself. It's foolish to run from God. Death cannot hide uh, us from God. Look at verse uh, 7. It says, Whether shall I go from the Spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. He's an eternal God. 
and you're going to live with him eternity, and it doesn't make a bit of sense to live for these 70 or 80, let's go ahead and say 90 years. That makes me feel better. Uh, 90 years on this earth. Don't make a lick of sense to live for this short span of time. Your life is just what? A vapor. It's a a puff of steam. So, folks, death cannot hide us from God. Distance cannot hide us from God. Look at verse 9 and 10. It said, If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Some people think they can go out of town and live like the devil. God goes out of town with you. Amen. Some people think they can get in darkness and act like a heathen. Folks, God is the light in the darkness. And then darkness cannot hide us from God. Look at verse 11 and 12. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light upon me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness is light, are both light to thee. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. He ain't got a negative note here. He's got a comforting note. He's saying, hey, listen, God knows where I'm at. And he was going through a tough time, the musician, uh, the chief musician, the Psalm of David. He was, he was going through a tough time, exiled, turned, uh, uh, his own child turned against him. and uh, His whole kingdom uh, was stolen by his own son. And folks, here he is uh, saying, hey, listen, it's a wonderful, wonderful God that will never leave you. A wonderful God that will lead you. Look at verse 13 uh, through 16. Verse 13 through 16. God has a wonderful purpose for your life. That's a wonderful thought. God has a wonderful purpose for your life. It's not getting rich. It's not getting famous. It's not being popular. It's not just even getting married and having a bunch of children. The purpose in life is to glorify your maker, your God, your Savior, and your sustainer. Realize this. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't be here tonight. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't want to be here. So God has a wonderful purpose for my life and your life. Look at verse 13. It says, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Now, folks, the constant guidance, the reins means he is in charge. He wants to be in charge. And you ought to take his yoke upon you and yoke up with him and let him lead you into rest and peace. Thank God for Miss Nancy's testimony about the death of her brother and the family's finding peace. Sometimes it takes a long time. There's Grief is a natural thing, and it takes a long time sometimes to get over that. But I want to tell you something, friend. We're the only people that can smile and cry at the same time because we know there's a heaven. We know there's a God. You're not an accident. God made you on purpose, and you're special. I got to preach that at the YDC last night because a lot of those kids ain't never had anything but people beating them down and letting them down and forsaking them. A lot of them don't even know where their daddy is. Most of them have been raised by a single mom or a single dad, maybe, and maybe a grandparent. Today, this day, there's a movement going on where grandparents are raising kids. Amen? I'm, I'm telling you, because the children go off into meth and wickedness and go their separate ways and just throw the kids on grandmama and granddad. It's the only hope they have. And boy, it'll wear you out after a while. So, amen. Folks, I want you to see this verse. It's so special. Verse 13, it says, it says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Didn't notice it said it, it, me. It didn't say it. It's not some protoplasm. It's me. It's a personality. Folks, uh, God knew 
uh, all about me in the womb. He knew all about you. And, uh, and folks, it's so wonderful that the next verse says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God allowed you to be conceived, and at conception you became a living being. I believe that with all my heart. It says, and when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth, made in secret, and then it says, thine eyes did see my substance. In the Hebrew, the word substance, where we get the word embryo. He saw you in the womb. He knew you, not as a child uh, that was saved, but a child that was going to be saved, thank God. But folks, he knew your substance. Yet being unperfect, that's the developmental stage. And in thy book, all my members were written, which is in continuance, were fashioned. In other words, they, the Bible says that you had all the chromosomes and all the things, uh, to the genes, and I'm not talking about blue genes or faded blue genes or ripped blue genes. I mean genes, amen, uh, in your body to make who you are. It just needed to be developed, amen. It needed to be developed. He knew how much a brain you would have. He knew how much hair you would have. That's a touchy subject. He knew, how, he knew, he knew what size shoe you would develop into. He knew your personality. Folks, the Bible says substance. Folks, if you ever want to uh, prove to, to somebody uh, when life begins, go to these verses and see that your substance was not perfect, but it was being developed. And when yet there is none of them, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. He was thinking of you when you were in the womb and he had a purpose for you. God has constantly had you in his heart. Look at verse 17. It says, How precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sands. When I awake, I am with thee. I'm still with thee. Folks, he's saying, Hey, listen, God cares. God loves me. God knows all about me. And God created me for his glory. There's the bottom line. Look at Isaiah 43 7. I quote it often. But I want you to underline it and I want you to mark it so you can tell somebody why they're alive, why they were born, why, they're, why they were allowed to live. Isaiah uh, chapter 43, verse 7. The Bible says this, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. That's a statement. He formed you and he made you. You did not evolve some lower cell animal that became a tadpole and the tadpole became a hairy ape and the hairy ape uh, got so intelligent he showed up at Sh Dalton State College. Uh, that didn't happen, amen? If monkeys made men back then, why don't the monkeys make men now? I've never been down to Grant Park and seen all of a sudden a blonde-haired, blue-eyed little baby girl in the baboon cave. Have you? All right, well, if monkeys made men back then, why don't they make them now? Scientists ain't got an answer for that. But I'll tell you something, folks. When you were conceived, you were, you, you, you were, the life was breathed into you. And I, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Uh, some of you ladies have had the privilege, or most of you have had the privilege to carry a baby to nine months. What a miracle. My wife had two at one time. I'll never forget that. I mean, she was big as the side of the wall. 
She couldn't get through the door. She couldn't get through the double doors. I mean, they were both over seven pounds when we had them. And then Stephen, he decided to take a detour, and he come out transverse, crying crossed, and they were losing him, and the blood, the blood, uh, the heartbeat was going down, and we thought we was going to leave him. They had to turn him, and uh, boy, I was about to pass out. I was in there. I don't know what in the world they put me in there for. And, um, and uh, it was a miracle when he came out and he, and he took his first breath. And Stephanie to this day always reminds him, he's, she's 13 years older, and she tries to still boss him around. It don't work. It didn't work back then. It ain't working now. But uh, she, she, was, she thought she was the boss because she was 13 years, 13 minutes older than her twin brother. He's brown-haired, brown eyes, shy as could be, and she has blonde hair, blue eyes. And you can ask uh, Amy. She was stuck in the middle of a genius older brother and twins that got all the attention, and, and uh, she was right in the middle. And she could testify those were two different youngins came out of the same womb. But I want to tell you something, friend. They didn't come from some monkey. And they didn't evolve. It was a miracle. And I tell you today, abortion is a sad plight upon a, a society that's supposed to be civilized. Now, some of you might have had an abortion. There's forgiveness after abortion. And I've been rebuked by ladies after I preach a message like this. And I always tell them, mind your own business. You're not the preacher. And number two is, just because you had one, I, it don't mean I can't warn the next generation not to do it because it'll follow the rest of your life. It's a big mistake that young people are making. I got this uh, on the way from the funeral home. I hope I can find it. But it's a diary of an unborn baby. Hadn't heard this about 25 years. And it's not politically correct, but who cares? It's biblically correct. October 5th, today my life began. My parents do not know it yet. I am as small as a seed of an apple, but it is, all, it, it is I already. I am to be a girl. I, I shall have blonde hair and blue eyes. Just about everything is settled, though, even the fact that I shall love flowers. See, that's the development of the substance. October 19th, <clears throat> some say that I am not a real person yet that only my mother exists. <clears throat> but I am a real person, just as a small crumb of bread is yet truly bread. My mother is, and, and I am. October 23rd. <clears throat> my mouth is just beginning to open now. Just think, in a year or so, I shall be laughing and later talking, and I know what my first words will be. Mama or mommy. October 25th, my heart began to beat today all by itself. From now on, it shall gently beat for the rest of my life without ever stopping to rest. And after many years, it will, it will, it will be tired, it will stop, and then I shall die. November 2nd, I am growing a bit every day. My arms and legs are beginning to take shape, but I have to wait a, a long time yet before those little legs will run to my mother's arms. Therefore, before these little arms will be able to gather flowers and sit in my daddy's lap. November 12th. Tiny fingers are beginning to form on my hands. Funny how small they are. I'll be able to stroke my mother's hair with them. November 20th. 
It wasn't until the day that the doctor told mom that I am living here under her heart. Oh, how happy she must be. Are you happy, mommy? November 25th. My mom and dad are probably thinking about a name for me, but they don't even know that I am a little girl. I want to be called Kathy. I am re- I'm, I'm getting so big already. December 10th. My hair is growing. It is smooth and bright and shiny. I wonder what kind of hair mom has. December 13th. I am just about able to see. It's dark around me. When mom brings me into the world, it will be full of sunshine and flowers. What I want more than anything is to see my mama, my mom. How do you look, mom? December 24th, day before Christmas. I wonder if mom hears the whispers of my heart. Some children come into the world a little sick, but my heart is strong and healthy. It beats so evenly up, thump, thump, thump. You have a healthy little daughter, mom. December 28th, today my mother killed me. Now that's reality. And I don't say that to hurt anyone that's been through that, because there is forgiveness after abortion. But I say that to the next generation and the single young ladies in here and those that hadn't had children yet. When you have children, cherish them. Love them. And lead them to the Lord as early as you can and get them in church before they even know what the Scriptures say. or Before they even read the Scriptures, they ought to know what the Scriptures say. My mother taught me the Scriptures before I could read. And I'm glad she did. Matter of fact, I heard a lot of messages while I was being carried by my mother. I probably knew the preacher's voice because my mother sat real close to the front. I'm telling you, friend, you have a godly heritage. God has called you to bring up a godly heritage for the Lord. I want to close with two more thoughts, please. And Number one, I want you to see the power of His presence. The power of his presence. Now, first of all, I want you to look at uh, verse 11 and 12. The Bible says, If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light upon me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as a day. The darkness and light are both alike to thee. Folks, number one, when you realize he's present all the time, and he's present as close as a prayer, you overcome discouragement. Folks, you have no reason to be discouraged. Number two, look at verse 17 and 18. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sands. When I awake, I am still with thee. You know, his presence overcomes loneliness. You know, a lot of people are very lonely. Even a church this size, they just don't fit in. In the handshaking times, they don't have a friend. They never get invited anywhere. Maybe, they're, maybe they just feel like they just don't fit in for some reason, whatever that reason is. Well, I'm going to tell you something. God's with you. 
And God will always be with you. And no matter if you've had to say goodnight to your loved one or to your husband or wife or you've never been married and loneliness eats your lunch, I want to say God never leaves you or forsakes you. God will always be with you. According to these verses, He created you, He sustained you, and praise God, He will save you from loneliness. Then number two, you can overcome worry, realizing His presence. Look at verse 19. It says, Surely thou shalt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. We live in a terrible world. We live in a wicked world. We live in a Christless world. We're in an antichrist spirit in America now. It's not popular anymore, Jimmy Carter, to be born again. And folks, people make fun of you for being a Christian. And folks, we live in a post-Christian era. But I want to tell you something, friend. Don't worry about it. Just rejoice in the Lord and keep worshiping. And worship will destroy worry. Worship. Knowing He's with you and He'll always be with you. And then last but not least, power of His presence overcomes temptation. Look at verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the path of uh, the way everlasting. Folks, I want to tell you something. God knows what you're facing. And He knows the temptation. And I love 1 Corinthians 10, 12. And I preach often on that. But I love 1 Corinthians 10, 13 on how to overcome Temptation. Look at it with me, please, in closing. 1 Corinthians 10, and look at uh, verse 12. The Bible says this, and it talks about the children of Israel, verses 1 through 11. But in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, it says, Wherefore, let him thinketh, uh, thinketh that he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Some people say, I'll never backslide. I'll never do that. I'll never be unfaithful. I'll never uh, get a divorce. I'll never... Uh, disown my child. I'll never do this. Don't say you never will. By the grace of God, you never will. But the Bible says, take heed lest ye fall. And verses 1 through 11 talks about the children backsliding of Israel. They backslid. The very chosen children of, of God backslid. You know the story. And so, folks, it's, 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 it's a warning. Don't get so confident that you don't need God's presence to convict you and to help you and deliver you from evil. Look at verse 13 now. There is no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you or allow you to be tempted above that which you're able, but with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. God said he will be faithful when you are tempted. Now let me just close with this thought, how to practice his presence. I believe all of us agree that God brought us into this world. We didn't evolve from some one-cell amoebo. That God has caused you to be here tonight. And you've been saved and you've been sustained and you've been created. And God's with you and He wants to be with you. And first of all, how you practice His presence is you think upon His presence. You meditate upon His presence and you pray. Look at verse 1. It says, O Lord, Thou hast searched, thou hast searched me. Look at, look at, um, look at verse um, 4. It says, For there is not a word in my tongue, but Lord, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Look at verse 7. 
Whether shall I go from thy presence, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend to heaven, thou art with me. Thou art with me. You know what he's saying? He ain't saying anything to you. He's saying something to God. He's having a conversation with God. He didn't say he is with me or he is searching me. He says, thou art searching me. What a personal relationship. He's talking to God. Folks, listen, you need to practice his presence by realizing that God is a very God and be still and know that he's God. You need to speak to him often. You need to pray. Then number two, you need to not only... uh, Think about his presence and carry on a conversation, but you need to develop a spirit of praise. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and my soul knoweth right well. A spirit of praise. Folks, God created you. You ought to thank God for it. Thank God you're not on all fours lapping up Purina dog food tonight. Amen? And can't even come in the house if you live in, if you live in my house. I had Casey come in this afternoon and I couldn't get him out. I chased him all over the room. I chased him all over the kitchen. He said, "I'm cold. I'm staying in." I said, "No, you're not. You're gonna go out and keep my low company." I'm glad I'm not a dog. Dogs don't go to heaven. Cats don't go to heaven. I mean, some of y'all believe that. They don't have a soul. They don't. They, they never have a chance to get saved. I'm glad I'm a human being. I'm glad, I'm, glad, I, I'm glad that I'm not a monkey, a snake, a raccoon, or a possum. Amen? I'm glad I'm not laying dead in the middle of Dugout Road up there because I saw, I saw that possum on the way to the church. God created me as a human being. I, I'm, a, I'm a husband. I'm a daddy. I got one of my daughters sitting here all the way from South Africa. I got, I, I'm a granddaddy. I mean, my life has been blessed. How about you? I got a great wife. Can somebody say amen? I was looking at her on the way. I couldn't even get her out of the funeral home. She's so nice and so comforting. And I, I, I told Brunella and a couple others, I said, if I can get my wife out of here, I'm going to go preach. She's just talking to everybody, chugging everybody, shaking hands. I'm sitting there saying, man, I got 15 minutes. I got to get out of here. And I said, praise God for what a wife. She loves people. She loves to comfort people. She loves to be with people. She loves to cook for people. She loves, she loves uh, her kids. She, she can't hardly move, and she wants to get on a plane for 36 hours. And I said, man, a lot. I just mentioned that we might go to uh, South Africa uh, to preach that organizational service. And before I get off the phone, she's booking the flight. And it ain't for no organizational service either, praise God. It's to see Addie and Luke and maybe we'll see Mark a little bit, amen, but, and, 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 and everybody. We'll see Count Rhino and I thought, man, I'm blessed. What a good, what a good mama. What a good grandmama. Her name's Mimi by affection. So I get in, I get in on that blessing of being married to a godly lady and then have godly children. Oh, what a blessing. And folks, listen, I want to tell you something. If I don't praise God, I am so ungrateful. I am such an ingrate. If I'm not smiling today by faith when I don't feel good, I am an ingrate. I am sorry. I ought to go back to something. Amen? Not to a lower level of humanity. 
develop a spirit of praise. So let, let me ask you a question. Do you believe the Word of God? If you believe the Word of God, then you came from God. And you were created for God. And you're created for His pleasure and His glory. And what a purpose. What's my philosophy of life? I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. Therefore, I'll glorify God with my body and my spirit, which are the Lord's. What a life. If it ends the night, I get to say, praise God. Don't weep and mourn for me. I'm in heaven, but before I got to heaven, I had a little heavenly peace, heavenly joy, heavenly purpose, and thank God a family and children and grandchildren, and praise God a wonderful church to pastor, and thank God it's been a great life. I'm not trying to sum it up tonight or say goodbye, but I'm just saying you ought to develop a spirit of praise. Stop murmuring, stop complaining, stop being discouraged, and stop being depressed, and realize who you are and why you are God's child. I'm an heir to the kingdom of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I'm a child of God of the king let's pray father thank you for psalms 139 it's blessed my heart again and i need to reread it every week and i thank you dear god for the revelation that you knew us in the womb and god you know us every day and lord one day it's an awesome thought we're gonna to have to give account of every breath and every word and every thought and every action every reaction at the judgment seat of Christ. And Lord, thank you for that accountability. And thank you, dear God, for your presence that gives us power over temptation, power over worry, and power over discouragement.